I want you to open your Bibles, if you will. Stand up and hold them where you're at. If you're standing in your den, standing in your living room, no matter where you're at, if you're driving, don't stand up. <laughs> Otherwise, hold your Bible in the air, bear witness of God's Word. You may be seated. I want you to turn, if you will, to the book of Psalms, chapter 32, Psalms 32, and we'll be in Psalms 32 and 34. That'll be our scripture we begin with. Let me set the scene for you, if I may. Psalms 32, written by David. David was going through a, a terrible time. Now, we know that David was someone who was a man after God's own heart. We know that David was someone who trusted, believed in the Lord. After all, he, he fought the giant. He was God's anointed. He was the king of Israel. If anybody was close to God, David was close to God. But David messed up, and David had different sins in his life, and when this sin happened, his sin of, of adultery with Bathsheba, after this, we realized something had happened in David's life. We don't talk about this a lot because when we read this particular chapter, we always talk about David and his repentance. And of course, repentance is necessary to get back close to God. But I saw something different in this when I read and it really opened my eyes to some things, and I want you to see it too. I want to read it with you. Psalms 32. We'll begin in verses 3. We'll read 3 through 7. David says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Moisture is turned into drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. He praised again, Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray in, unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods. In the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble Thou shalt come past me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. We see David praising here, but actually something's happened in his mind. He's realized in all of his sin, in all of his running, maybe it was the secret sin. Maybe it was trying to figure out how to deal with the sin. Maybe it was the embarrassment of the sin. But regardless, he was separated from God by his sin. But what happens sometimes is, when we're dealing with something or going through something, we have all these things going through in our mind, and we realize it, and yes, we're on our way to confessing or repenting, but in the busyness of things, we realize that in our way of trying to fix things, we've stopped talking to God. You see, David had stopped talking to God. I want you to understand verse 3, when he says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all day long. Have you ever thought about that? It wasn't just the sin. It was that David was saying, when I stopped talking to God, when me and him stopped communicating, what happened? It got worse. But then you get to verse 7 or verse 6, and he says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. He was advising, he was teaching here. He was saying, listen, in between verses 3 and verses 6, he says, For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. That's a prayer. And my iniquity, that's a prayer. I have not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions. That's a prayer, right? What happened to David 
happens to all of us, we stop praying the way we need to pray. You say, well, I'm going to leave from here and I'm going to stop sinning. Good luck. You need to try to stop. But what you need to focus on is you need to start praying. And you start praying like God wants you to pray. Because understand, if you're communicating with God, if I'm communicating with God the way he wants me to, then my sin will not get to the point that I'm committing the sin because I'm, I'm in communication with God. I'm in fellowship with God. When I'm not praying, I'm not in fellowship with God. You say, how this worked for David? Chapter 34 is how it worked for David. I want you to look at chapter 34. We see that David was given forgiveness, but David was given this peace because of his prayer to God. A peace. Now, there are a lot of things in life that we want, but there's nothing invaluable as peace. Really, everybody is after peace. If you're after money, you're after peace. You're thinking that money can get it. If you're after a relationship, if you're after love, you're after peace. You're wanting that peace that it can give to you. Listen to chapter 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's a different kind of guy, isn't it? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his trouble. How about that? He sounds like a different man, doesn't he? What was the remedy? Was it the motor? No, it was the battery. The thing that we think is so simple, so evident, when I ask you, how have you been praying? I pray. How do we pray? We might think, well, we pray good. We've got a good prayer life. I want us to look and ask ourselves today, how is our prayer life? Because it could be that thing that's stopping us from having the fellowship that we need to have with God. I want us to be able to see what the Word says about it. It sounds like a simple subject, but I want you to see how powerful it is as we look in God's Word together. You see, David's fellowship with God depended on his prayer life with God. As he said in the beginning of this, when he was silent, when he was silent to God, God has a desire to fellowship with us. God wants us to talk to him. How many people believe that? God wants us to talk to him. Of course he does. Why? I don't know. That's why I've been so humbled. I can't understand why, but he does. God wants us to pray to him. He wants us to give our praise to him. He wants to give us forgiveness. He wants to give us peace. But in order to receive it, we have to give him our offering of prayer. In Colossians 4.2, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. When it says continue in prayer, that means that it's not an occasional thing. It means it's an ongoing, perpetual thing. Turn to Matthew 6. I want you to see something. We know this is the chapter where Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually the disciples' prayers, the prayer that he was teaching them. If you were to read Matthew 6, you would see that the first thing he does is warn them about doing things to be seen. He doesn't want them to do things for show. You see, when we're doing something for God, we don't need to do it for other people to see. We need to do it for God. It needs to be sincere. And then he begins to tell them, when you pray, verse 5, 
Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. They love praying, standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. He says, But when you pray, enter in thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. When you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard because of their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. Listen to this verse, verse 8. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. So if I read this verse, and I'm wanting to learn more about prayer, and I read that my Father knows the things that I have need of before I ask Him, then my first question is, if God knows what I need before I ask Him, why should I ask Him? And a lot of people have that mentality. They see God as a big God, but if He knows, then why ask Him? answer is because God wants us to ask. He wants us to communicate with. If we're not praying, then we're not giving the offering to God that we need to give to him, our offering of prayer. We can't fellowship with him. If you were to go over one page to Matthew chapter 7, you'll read this, Jesus' words again, Matthew 7, 7. Ask. What does he say? Say it with me. Ask. And it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. But what man of you, whom his son asketh him for bread, will he give him a stone? For he asketh him for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them? Listen to this. That ask him. How much assuming do we do with the Lord? Lord, I'm assuming you know what I'm I'm going through. Of course he knows what you're going through. I know God's got this under control. Of course he's got it under control. I know God knows how I want it to work out or what needs to happen, and I believe that. Of course he does. But he says, ask. Ask. Talk to me. God wants communication. If we were to read... The book of James, and you don't need to turn there, I'll just give you this for reference. You would read the book of James, chapter 4. Those first several verses says you have not because you ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, meaning you ask with the wrong intentions. There's a lot about our prayer life that we need to look at. You see, it matters if we pray, but it also matters how we pray. You say, what do you mean how we pray? Do I need to pray a certain way? No, it matters how your heart is when you pray. You can use your own words. It just matters how your heart is when you pray. And I can tell you, and I don't know if you'll bear witness with me, but there are times when I've prayed because I knew that I needed to pray and I knew that God was hearing my prayer, but my mind was on something else and my heart wasn't where it needed to be. I was going to pray, but it mattered how I was when I prayed. You think about it, we hear this scripture a lot these days, Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and do what first? Pray. We know that God can do it, but praying is communication with God. 
lot of Christians are walking around now assuming that God's going to fix everything in the world, but when's the last time they actually prayed specifically for an area that they were wanting him to fix? Or this is terrible, this is going on, it's terrible. When's the last time you prayed for that situation? I think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this simple verse. We're told to pray without ceasing. This means pray continually every day throughout the day, just like we're told in Colossians 4.2 that we read earlier, continue in prayer. Why does God want us to continually pray? And this is what I want you to see today. I thought this was just huge because our prayer is our offering to God. Every time that we lift up a prayer, a conversation, we're offering ourselves to God. We're offering our time. We're offering our heart. We're offering our mind whether it's confession, whether it's thanksgiving, whether it's praise, we're giving an offering to God. Now, I want you to remember something. We can't, no one has ever been able to come to God. I'm talking about all the way from the first pages of Genesis. No one has ever been able to come to God and communicate with God without an offering. Have you ever thought about your prayer being an offering? Now think about your prayer again. What kind of offering am I giving to God? But our prayer is an offering. God implemented the offering system, knowing that we needed to bring something to him. Well, you know, this does, this does come at a time after a message that I preached last week about Jesus' offering. Are you depending are you just depending on Jesus' offering? We do that sometimes. We know Jesus paid it all, right? But we forget that all to him we owe. The whole communication with God works this way, as I explained last week. God gives us an offering. We offer back. You see, it's a continual process. It's a fluid process. The first offering, God doesn't need your money first. He doesn't need your service first. He doesn't need your talent first. He needs your prayer first. He needs your fellowship first. Before anything, if you try to give him any of those other things without the first offering, which is prayer, how in the world can you have a relationship without fellowship? You can, but it won't be a good relationship. And how can you have fellowship without communication? Can any of you have fellowship with someone without communication? Then how in the world do we think we could have good fellowship with God without communication? I'm just saying. Jesus gave us an offering. He offered himself. In that offering, it was offered because he didn't sin. God's not capable of sinning. But I am capable of sinning, and you are too, right? As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many people know that? But God wants a relationship with us. He loves us. He created us for the purpose of having fellowship with him. So God made a way for us. He gave Jesus to us for our offering. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? We read Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. So he gave his offering. It wasn't something we could do ourselves. Romans 5, 6 says, for we were, when we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. We're the ungodly. 
Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Jesus' offering made a way for us to have our sins forgiven, made a way for us to have a relationship with God. So Jesus' offering entitled us to God's fellowship if we choose to accept the offering. Some people don't choose to accept the offering. But if you choose to accept the offering, let me tell you the first thing you have to do to accept his offering. It is not go and do something for God. It is to talk to God. Think about it. The first offering that anyone can come to even accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior is to pray. How in the world can you come to the Father without praying? That's the first offering of prayer is an offering. If you look at how detailed God was in the Old Testament system of offering, and you read the book of Exodus, read the book of Leviticus, see the Levitical law, see the Levitical process of how an offering was to be made, and each time, in each place, an offering was to be made, how specific God was. But there was never going to be communication between God and man unless man brought an offering. And sometimes we look at that and we think, well, we need to bring something. The first thing God wants you to bring is you. Sometimes it's good for us to say, hey, listen, I'm going to do this big thing for God. But we're not doing the, the thing that requires our continual time, our continual focus. I tell you, I look back through my life and I think, you know, the times my prayer life was good, my fellowship was good. The times my fellowship with God wasn't good, my prayer life wasn't good. Is there something to that? Absolutely. How can my fellowship with God be good if my communication with Him isn't good? You see, when we offer ourselves, we're offering our belief. We're offering our confession and guilt. We're offering our repentance. We're offering our commitment to live for him. So in order to be saved, we have to offer ourselves. And if there's someone listening today that's never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, let me tell you, God loves you so much that he offered his son to die for you, the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ. But you don't get him just because God offered him. You get him by asking and offering yourself to him Offering your prayer of repentance, offering your prayer of belief, offering your prayer of confession, offering your prayer of commitment, that's how you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And it's not being taught enough or preached enough today. Just that God died and, hey, listen, He's our Father, and because you believe there is a Jesus and there's a God, you're going to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's an interaction. We have to offer ourselves back to Him. After we're saved, what about then? Well, I will guarantee you, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will begin a relationship with God Almighty, the creator and sustainer of this earth. He loves you, and you'll have a relationship with Him. But if you want to continue to have fellowship in that relationship, you'll have to continue to offer yourself to Him. Because that's where a lot of us mess up. We're blessed. We get the gift of salvation. You have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into us. We're able to communicate with God by the Holy Spirit who communicates with Jesus, who sits on the right hand of God the Father. Glory to God. We're able to do that, but we don't. We have it right there, and all it takes is an offering of prayer, but we don't. God wants continual 
prayer, that continual fellowship. He wants to continue to offer yourself to him in your relationship. How? With obedience, with faithfulness, with trust, with submission. We can't just depend, again, on Jesus' sacrifice. We, we have that for our groundwork of this week's sermon, but I want you to understand we can't have fellowship with God without an offering to God. And our prayer is our offering. Our prayers are offering. Do you know that you could be penniless and offer God the offering he wants? You could, you could be in such bad physical shape that you couldn't even help yourself, but you could offer a prayer to God. God wants an offering that anybody can make to him. He wants something that's internal. He wants something that's sincere. I want us to look at how important our prayer life is in our relationship with God. After all, we can't even come into a relationship with God until we're willing to pray to Him. We can't come into a relationship with Him until we're able to admit our belief, confess our guilt, accept Jesus' offering. But what happens after we're saved, as far as our communication with God, is of key importance in maintaining our fellowship with God, living with an everyday peace. And so I would ask you this question again. And I want you to take about 10 seconds to think about it. Close your eyes if it helps you, wherever you're at. Close your eyes. That way you're not distracted. Answer this question. How is your prayer life? You answer it. How is your prayer life? Grade it right now. Take the other five seconds and see how God would grade it. How's your prayer life? Okay. Thought I would sort of go through a couple of uh, examples here how different people have different prayer lives. They think about prayer in different ways. You have some people that pray and the prayer is never heard by God because they have sin in their lives they, they have not repented of. Number one, they've never been saved and the first prayer that God can hear from anyone is God be merciful to me, a sinner. God save me. That's when you start the relationship, amen? But then after you're saved, there's still people that pray, Christians that pray all the time, but they're praying all around that sin that God's convicted them of, and so you've got that sin in your life, and so you're still praying, but your prayer's not going through to God because that sin has to be taken out of the way, and you, you haven't truly been repentant. Anybody been in that situation before? Of course we have. Some people just don't pray, but they're okay with someone else praying. They, they count on someone else's prayer, but they don't communicate with God themselves. They don't feel comfortable praying. Some people pray occasionally, not regularly, but occasionally. They believe in prayer, but in the busyness of their life, they just don't pray regularly. They really believe in prayer, and if you ask them, they would say, yeah, absolutely, prayer works. It's just that here my days got away from me, and I haven't done it. And I meant last week to start this prayer thing, but I just hadn't done it. You don't understand, Pastor. I've got this to do and that to do. God's given you 168 hours in a week. If those 168 hours are committed to things so much so that you do not have time to talk to him, you're not doing what he wants you to do. God wants communication with you. He wants fellowship with you. God wants you. Isn't that humbling? God wants to talk to you? 
But how many times have we been in that category where we occasionally pray, but not regularly? We believe in prayer, but in the busyness of life, we don't pray regularly. Some of those people, some people pray at church. They pray while they're at church because they're in an environment of prayer, but not much outside of church. I've been one of those people before. You mean you come into the service and not as a pastor, so rest assured, okay? But you come into the service and, you know, I remember as I was young and saved and even through my young adult life, you come in and all of a sudden it hits you and we're praying in church and we're praising in church and so I'm going to pray too. Why? Because it's in front of me, it's around me, you're in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit is moving, right? And so, yes, you feel like it, but then you get back out in life and all of a sudden this distraction, that distraction, this distraction, right? So you're praying while you're at church, but not much outside of church. Now get this one. Some people pray at mealtime, sometimes in the morning or evening before they go to bed. And these prayers are basically recitals of a rehearsed list of things that they're used to praying for. So much so that they can basically go through their list of requests to God without really stopping their mind or actions and focusing on the fact that they are actually talking to the living God. And then the second the prayer is over, they're back to doing something else with no reflection on the prayer. Amen or oh me? How in the world does that happen? Some people don't consistently pray until they have a dilemma or they have a situation in their lives. And then they continually pray for it until it's resolved. And then they become infrequent again. I think back about the last example I gave you about the, the person that says, hey, my prayer life is good. And you thought my prayer life is good because I don't miss a meal with praying. I might pray in the morning or evening. But you are going through that list and you're getting it done. Your mind is quickly on something else. You stay on that list, but you're not really thinking about talking to the living God. And you think my relationship is great. Well, I gave you this example. There used to be a guy that worked for me back when I was in the flooring business. And I would pick that guy up from work or pick him up from home. He was on my way, so I would pick him up and take him to work. The best employee you can ever have is one that you take to work. Great guy. Good worker. We worked. I was getting my stuff done. He was getting his stuff done. Stop at lunchtime. I'd buy him lunch. He would say, thank you. Take him home. He would say, thank you. Pick him up the next day. Thank you. Very courteous. While we are at work... We worked. We did work. We didn't talk too much. It's getting it done. I thought one day, I've been working with this guy a long time. Our relationship stinks. I pick him up every day. We have a conversation there in the morning. We have a conversation in the evening. We have a conversation at lunchtime. He's thanking me, doing this and that. I don't know who he is. He don't know who I am. He don't know anything about it. We just get work done. I thought, oh me, that's the way you're doing the Lord, Mike. You talk to him in the morning, you talk to him at evening, you talk to him at mealtime, but what are you talking about? You're saying thank you because you're supposed to, you're courteous to him. What about your relationship? Relationship stunk. Why? Because we're in a fellowship. 
It wasn't a conversation. It was just happened at those particular times. It's what you're supposed to do, which brings me to the next, the next kind of prayer. Some people pray because they know they're supposed to. It's a duty to them. It's something that needs to get done because God says we need to talk to him. But they honestly, honestly, don't look forward to it. It's just something on their Christian list that needs to get done. Right? You ever been there? Need to say my prayer before I go to bed, but you really mean I need to say it. Not I'm in need of saying it, but I need to get it done. Hey, did you say the blessing before you eat? No, somebody do it. We need to get it done. We pray in a need-to-get-it-done way. And all that might be well and good because nobody can grade the way you pray, you pray except yourself, but God can. And so our fellowship with God depends on how we pray. So many times we can fall into one of these patterns in our prayer life, and during that time we, we lose the close fellowship with God that we can have. We fail to realize that this, this one statement I want to make to you, our fellowship with God is only as good as our prayer life with God. I want you to understand that today. Your fellowship with God is only as good as your prayer life with God. If your fellowship with God is good, your world will be good. If your fellowship with God is good, you will have the peace that comes in a Christian, that, that comes with a Christian relationship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. It will be good. So many times we look for the big problem. What's going on with me? I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I don't feel close. Hey, check your prayer life first. Our fellowship with God can't be good unless our prayer life is good. God created us to have fellowship with Him. He wants us to look forward to talking to Him. Look forward to prayer. He wants us to have a personal conversation with Him because we love Him. I love when we're all in here praying together, but if that's the only prayer that I'm doing, I'm not having that personal prayer with God. He wants us to come to him and discuss our life. Yes, he wants us to ask him for help. Yes, he wants us to thank him. Yes, he wants us to praise him. He actually wants us to see his power to answer our prayers. God wants to answer our prayers and give us the desires of our heart. But he wants the prayer to be a time of fellowship with him, not an asking session, not a duty, something we have to do. I just need to get my prayer done. Not a ritual, not a recital. That's just the list of our wants and needs. Not an infrequent conversation that we may or may not have depending on how busy we are. Not a conversation that happens only when we need something. Does this hit any of us? Man, doesn't it? And it's God. As I said, He's wanting to talk to you. I try to run this scenario in my mind and know that if I know my child is talking to me for these reasons, I'm not happy about it. Talking to me because they know they have to or just when they want something. Talking to me but really not wanting to have the conversation with me, just wanting to get it done. We're not going to have any fellowship in that conversation, are we? Are we? Wouldn't I know that end of the conversation? 
Well, if I know it, don't you know God knows it? Here I am, praying and thinking my prayer life is good. But God's seeing the intents of my heart, knowing that he's not being greedy. All God wants is fellowship with us on an everyday basis. And we can't have good fellowship if we don't have a good prayer life with him. This is how important our prayer life is. Our prayer life is our continual offering. Our continual offering. Think about that. We've already established that God said, in order to have fellowship with me, you have to bring an offering. God gave his offering of Jesus, and he's willing to give. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. The offering that we can give him every day continually is our prayers, is our want. I want to be around you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to talk to you. I look for a definition of prayer according to Webster as a humble communication in thought or speech to God or to an object of worship, expressing supplication, which is a humble request, or thanksgiving or praise or confession. And just for clarification, we're not talking about a prayer life to one of many gods. We're talking about a prayer life to the one and only true living God. So let's think about this fellowship with God, how it relates to our prayer life. And remember, our prayer life with God is only, our fellowship with God is only as good as our prayer life. I looked at the word fellowship, and the word fellowship is different than relationship. You see, it's the same in any other relationship that we have with someone. We may be in a relationship with someone that we love, but we don't have a good fellowship with them if we're not communicating with them. After all, fellowship is companionship. It's interaction between those that share a common interest. And the word fellowship is derived from a Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia describes, if you were to look at the definition, and this is great, unity of spirit. And I thought this was amazing. When you look at koinonia, that is fellowship according to God. Well, what is it? Okay, here's the definition. Unity of spirit that comes from shared beliefs, convictions, or behavior. So our prayer is our offering to God that brings us into unity with Him, and prayer is the action of having fellowship with God. Well, how does this relate to koinonia? Well, understand, the first prayer that God can have with us is a prayer of salvation. So what happens in that prayer of salvation? In that prayer of salvation, you are saying, God, I realize that I'm separated from you by my sin. Now, who tells you or convicts you that you're separated from God? Who tells you? You say, the preacher tells you. No, the preacher might tell you. Who tells you? Somebody tell me. The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. Now, don't forget unity of spirit. What happens here? Well, you have to make a decision. You see, you have a spirit inside of you. We call it our soul, but it's our spirit. The Bible says our spirit. That's our human spirit. In order for you to get saved, you have to give your soul in agreement with the Holy Spirit. You have to have unity of spirit. When that happens, you have koinonia with God. You have fellowship with God. It all happens from a prayer. So, if you're looking at how important prayer is, understand it's essential just to start the relationship. But then to stay in fellowship, then the prayer has to continue. If you think about it, something we must know, we, we have to maintain unity if we want to maintain fellowship. We can't just get saved and say, 
I came into a relationship with God. Now God and I can have fellowship together. But if I bring something that disagrees with the Spirit in me, that disagrees with the Holy Spirit, then I can't be in kononia. I can't be in fellowship with God. Does that make sense? Sin breaks the fellowship, the unity between us and God. It breaks the fellowship. It does not break the relationship. It breaks the fellowship. Any disobedience to God breaks unity of spirit we have with him because we're not agreeing with the spirit of God that will always agree with God. So let me explain to this. I don't want it just to be a statement. If you get saved, then you have agreed to agree with the Holy Spirit. You've agreed with God. God, I am a sinner. I agree. I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I'm agreeing with you. I want to repent of my sin, which is what you tell me I need to do. I agree with you. I agree in belief, God, that you are who you say you are and that Jesus is who he says he is. I agree. I'm in unity of spirit with you. But if you tell me that I'm not supposed to go and commit this sin and I go and commit it anyway, I haven't broken my relationship with you, but I've broken fellowship with you because we're not in unity of spirit. The Holy Spirit told me not to steal that thing, but I went and stole it. The Holy Spirit told me not to say that that. A terrible thing about somebody, but I went on and said it. The Holy Spirit told me not to have that act of pride or act of anger, act of hate, but I went on and did it. What happened to me? Then I broke fellowship with God, yet I'm praying every day like nothing's wrong. But I'm not in unity of spirit. Oh, it's key. You see, because if you're praying every day, if you're in fellowship every day, how in the world can you keep having conversations with God and not know this one thing that he wants you to remove. You say, I don't know what it is that, that's in my life. Then you're not really praying. You see, if you're really having a conversation, how in the world could you and I talk every day, several times a day, without us being able to share our heart with each other? God will share his heart with you. He wants unity of spirit. He'll show you what it is. So many times we have a systematic prayer in our life and we go and we do our duty of prayer or we know we're supposed to pray. We're praying at church or we're praying because we're supposed to or we're praying when we need something, but they're not conversations. We're coming to God like we're not his child, like we're the next person in line standing there. He's looking at us like a father that says, oh, well, you're coming for this reason or that reason or your mind is quickly on something else. You ever been talking to somebody and trying to have an in-depth conversation with them and they keep looking some other way or, or doing this and you're not making eye contact? I can't stand that. You know, I want to look at you. Right. And that's what I told my boys whenever they go. Hey, you look somebody in the eye whenever you're talking to them. Right. Because I can't stand somebody just if you're having a conversation and they're all over here. Right. I don't even want to talk to you. And I don't want you to want to talk to me if I'm doing that to you. So in all fairness, and I wonder sometimes if God's looking at me thinking, what are you looking at while you're trying to talk to me? I can have my eyes closed and look at other things. But if I have them open, I really look at other things. That's why I close my eyes. You say, hey, why do you close your eyes when you pray? Because it helps me. Why do you get on your knees when you pray? Because it helps me. I need all the help I can get. Mind wants to wonder, it wants to ramble, to reel myself back in. Why? Well, because I'm guilty of these same kind of things that I read to you guys. But you know the thing that helps me the most? What kind of offering am I giving to him today? He wants the best offering. 
He doesn't want your one-minute conversation that you had after you've just spent an hour talking to somebody else. The one minute of effort that we give him in the evening after the two hours of seeing what everybody else did on Facebook. He knows. He wants a sincere offering. Hey, you were looking forward to coming here and talking to me, weren't you, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Man, when I have one of my children say, man, I can't wait to see you. <laughs> man, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you either. I want to have something waiting for them when they come and see me, right? Father God's the same way. He wants to know you're looking forward to talk to him. Listen, prayer's not a duty. Prayer's not something that we happen to do. Prayer is this privilege you have to offer something to God. And I don't think we take it as serious as we need to, do we? Our fellowship is tied to our prayer life. We get out here and we wonder, how in the world? Listen, I hear people talk about all the time, hey, the devil keeps... He's on me. He's tempting me. Listen, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. The minute you're saved, the devil wants to knock you off course. He's after all of us. He's really after me. He might be really after you. Spiritual warfare is real. He can't take my salvation. What he wants to take is my testimony. What he wants to take is my, my joy of being a Christian, which is my witness. So what does he do? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, he wrestles with me. We're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against powers and principles. Tell you what, turn to Ephesians 6. Turn to Ephesians 6. Let's read this and see what he says. We'll read verses 10. Start at verses 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand. And then we get to these verses where it tells us to have that, that belt of truth. Therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having the breastplate of righteousness and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking the shield of faith, able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we look at this and we teach this. Listen, you want to have spiritual warfare, you want to beat spiritual warfare, then listen, you go and you get these, you go and you get this armor of God. I've taught it before. You might have taught it before. But we know how important this armor of God is. But then we fail to read verse 18. You see, you can't do all these unless you do verse 18. As soon as it says, take all these things, what does it say? Praying always. <laughs> how about that? How in the world are you going to wear the armor if you're not praying, if you're not fellowshipping? You can't use it. You've got armor you can't use. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the... Uh -oh, Praying in the Spirit. Hold on a second. Is he talking about unity in spirit? I believe he is. He's talking about koinonia, isn't he? He's talking about fellowship. You see, you go out and you, you think, hey, listen, I'm battling the devil, so I need to be able to get this breastplate of righteousness. I need to get this. Listen, the first thing you need to get is you need to get your prayer life where it needs to be with God. He says, praying always. How? Listen. 
with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What is he saying here? Praying in the spirit. That means that you're in fellowship with God knowing that even in your prayer life, you're in agreement with God. If you want to be able to use this armor of God to defeat the devil and to be able to withstand all the temptation, you can't do it without a good prayer life. You might try to take any of this armor, but without a good prayer life, being agreeing with the Spirit, it's not going to happen. I thought this was key. How many people don't want help with spiritual warfare? We all want help with spiritual warfare, right? And we think, hey, listen, here's what we need to do. Listen, the first step is the first offering, which is prayer. Praying always in the Spirit. So we need to see how important it is to be consistent and continual in our prayer life. You see, if we're consistently communicating with God through prayer, then we're in constant communication with the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us. That will allow us to be led by the Spirit. And when we follow the leading of the Spirit, then we're submitting to the will of God. So when we're having fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit, we can pray in the Spirit if we're continually in fellowship with God. Well, how do you know when you jump out of fellowship with God? Then God's going to reveal it to me because we're always talking. Make sense? Well, what happens in your life when your prayer life isn't where it needs to be? Doesn't fellowship with you and God weaken, doesn't it? Doesn't sin want to creep in even more? Absolutely it does. Because you're not as good at spiritual warfare. You're not praying always. You're not having that conversation. Yeah, you're doing the morning, night, and the mealtime thing. Right. But you're not talking. Because if you're talking, then God's going to reveal to you. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you. But there's something in between you. Something that you can't get out from in between you. Well, you can't do it without talking to God. And God wants to reveal it to you. That's the way the whole thing works. So when we're having this fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit, we can pray in the Spirit because we're we're showing our fellowship and agreement with the Spirit. This will allow us to stand against the devil's fiery darts. So our prayer life makes a difference in how we're able to battle the devil when he attacks us. If we're not in good fellowship with God, because we don't have a good prayer life, we're an easy target for the devil to defeat us. We're an easy target for the devil to discourage us. We're an easy target for the devil to, to worry us, to make us fear, or to tempt us to sin. And it all relates to your prayer life. Amazing, isn't it? How's your prayer life? And then, this last thing I want to share with you. Promise it's last. It's a big subject. But there's something else that we need to see that's so important with our prayer life that I see failing in so many people. I've seen it myself. You see, we need to see that if we have a good prayer life, you know, as a Christian, you'll live with more confidence and less worry. If you have a good prayer life, you'll live with more peace and less fear. You'll live with more trust, less doubt. You'll live with more joy and less discontent. Well, that only applies if there's anybody listening today that has a problem with worry, fear, doubt, or discontentment, which should include a lot of people, right? But a good prayer life will help that. How in the world does it help it? Why? Because we're continually 
taking our life to the Lord and giving it to him, knowing that he's in control and we're in fellowship with the one who's in control to change it. But I have a scripture I want you to to write in your notes here. I want you to see what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 4, and I'll close with this scripture. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, I want to tell you what that means. It means do not be anxious. Now, worry and fear and all these things come from anxiousness. And listen, we're living in a world of just worryful Christians. They worry about this and worry about that. They always have something that they are just living that's just overwhelmed them. And they can't even even think about something without worrying about something. He says, be careful for nothing, meaning don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything... How many things? Somebody tell me. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Now listen, listen, if you do this. But in everything, by prayer, that fellowship, that communication with God, if you do this, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace will guard your heart. Peace of God. Passes all, I can't even understand how how I'm not even upset about this. Can't understand why I'm not worrying. It's because you're in constant conversation with God. You know he's got it. He's revealing himself to you. Your prayer life is good. If your prayer life is good, you're going to live with a lot more peace as a Christian. Why are so many Christians walking around fearful, anxious, worried, discontent? All those things mean you have no peace. Well, it has to do with our prayer life. I've been there. You've been there. You might be there right now. So again, I close with this question. How's your prayer life? And I want to remind you, Number one, our our prayers are an offering to God. So I want you to think about this. We can't have fellowship with God without an offering. I want you to think about how God is viewing just your offering of prayer. Nothing else in your life. How's God viewing your offering of prayer? Because it's our first offering that we give to him. It's communication. Number two, our fellowship with God depends on our prayer life. Do you feel distant from God? Do you feel like you can't hear him? What about your prayer life? If you're in constant prayer life with him, God's going to speak. He's going to reveal himself to you. He says, ask and you shall receive, right? Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. He said he would do that more than anybody else would do that. And thirdly, I want to reassure you that God wants fellowship with us. He wants to give us the forgiveness. He wants to give us the blessings that come from having an offering of prayer. This is something God wants. And then I take you back to thinking about yourself. How in the world would God want these things with me? And he set up a way for me to have fellowship with him. I'm humbled. Not just one of his children, but he wants to talk to me. He wants to have communication with me. And he sees what I'm offering him. 
in that area? It answers a lot of questions. It lets me know sometimes when I'm wondering what's wrong, the first thing that I need to check. But if you want the fellowship that comes from having that interaction, everyday interaction, then you need to have a prayer life that's a continual prayer life with God. You don't have to go through your list every day, friend. I used to think that too. God, I can't have a prayer without going through my list. I've got to pray for this and this and this and this. God, do you talk to anybody else like that? You would get on my nerves if you talked to me like that. I hate for somebody to tell me something three times in the same day. Really, ask Angie. She'll tell you, right? I don't want somebody to talk to me and tell me the same thing all the time. Yes, God knows what I need, but I don't have to repeat it to him every single prayer. He wants to have a conversation with me. A real conversation. I can't believe it, but he does. But yet, I, I'm subject to give him this recited list and be able to switch my mind immediately. Okay, God, I'm done with you. What's next, right? How can I do God like that? Have you done God like that? He just wants to talk. Our minds should be blown that he even wants to talk. And yes, have that, that systematic prayer where you do offer all those things that you tell people you're going to pray for them. And if you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, pray for them. Have that. But just talk to God. Tell him what's on your mind. He knows already what you need. He just wants you to talk about it. You do, you'll experience fellowship that'll give you peace that passeth all understanding. Pray with me. Father God, I love you. I praise you and I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for wanting to talk to us. Lord, we look at ourselves today and Lord, I pray that we can look through your eyes. Lord, show us if that's where our fellowship is hurting. Lord, as people pray to you during this invitation, Lord, they're renewing their committed prayer life to you. I pray, God, that you would just minister to them, let a peace go over them, Lord, just like a warm blanket, I pray in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, for those that have never accepted your son Jesus as their Savior, Lord, they've never come into agreement with you. Lord, they've never offered themselves to you and accepted your offering. I pray, God, that people are saved during this time. Lord, just offering themselves in prayer. I pray, God, that you would work in Jesus' name. Amen.